0: Without our knowing, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed as I did, the songs and the hymns which we sung this morning uh, all speak so much of the character, the love, the righteousness, the mercy of God. Amen? And uh, what a wonderful reminder that is. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. And before we read the word of God together... Uh, would you join me uh, in a word of prayer Lord I ask that you would speak to our, each of our hearts today of uh, the truth of your word may we be reminded today of uh, the uh, promises the principles the, um, the teachings which you give to us as uh, truth and fruit and food that is necessary for us to be able to grow and to progress in our Christian life Lord I pray that you would uh, be with me this morning may you fill me with your holy spirit today may i say only what you'd have for me to say Uh, lord i pray that you would um, give us hearts of understanding that would be receptive to your word we ask and pray all this in jesus name amen philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 the word of god says only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel uh, uh the gospel of christ that is that whether i come and see you or else be absent i may hear of your affairs now, you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I was glad to finally get our banner back up into the foyer uh, for our theme for this year, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I remind you this morning, the faith of the gospel is the reason why we do everything that we do. The Bible says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Our very way of living should speak, it should It should live out, it should display uh, the love of Christ, the good news of Christ, uh, contained within the gospel. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, as we consider this matter of striving together for the faith of the gospel uh, in unity with one, one another, with, with uh, our hearts and our minds and faith to God. Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We understand this morning that the opposition of this world is with the intent to tear apart our faith. The opposition of, uh, of Satan against uh, the Christian life is that it would bring, in its ultimate end, destruction. That we would be devoured, as the Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion, that we would be devoured, that we would fall under his wiles, his trickeries uh, of Satan himself. We have a responsibility as a church, as God's people. We are the church. We are God's church. We have a responsibility to strive together for the faith of the gospel. As we consider this goal of striving, let us be reminded uh, of God's intent for those who strive. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, if you would. Genesis 12. And if you would look with me together in the beginning verses of this passage of Scripture. What has already taken place up to this point is God has flooded the world. Mankind has uh, so sinned against God that God has judged for the very reason of drawing and and giving a punishment that is of bringing a flood to the entire earth, those who were spared were Noah and his family. And as you would read the prior chapters, you would find the begats uh, verses that being that is to say, these are uh, now this is now the families which are growing, which are spreading, and which are becoming larger. And um, the Bible tells us in Genesis 11 that uh, the. The people at that time decided it was best to build what we know today to be called the Tower of Babel. And as a result of their uh, desire to try to build up to heaven, God judged them also. And you remember that which God had done, he scattered the people abroad. He changed what was once one language, as is told us in verse number 1 of chapter 11, now into many languages. And people were now broken and separated into these individual groups. But God chooses one man and one family with a purpose. And he says this in 12, chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, or Abram at this time, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed." Could I bring your attention to the repetition that is found in these verses? At the end of verse 1, the Bible says, I will show thee. The, 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 the Christian life is a journey, and it, it, with the blessings which God gives to us is the blessing of direction. God says, I will show thee. In verse 2, the Bible says, I will make of thee a great nation. The blessing of God in the Christian life is to give us a good name, a testimony, the name of Christ verse 3, the Bible says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. The blessing of God is protection, pr- preservation, that God would oversee, that God would protect his children. The Lord continues to repeat this process, or this, this, this promise, rather, to Abraham. And we see that continually repeated all through the book of Genesis, that his seed would be as the stars in heaven. That his seed would be as the sand upon the seashore. And... Um, we consider as God had an intent to bless his people in the book of Genesis, so it is God's intent, the very same, to bless Community Bible Church. Amen? That God would give us direction. That God would give us a good name and a testimony. That God would bless us with protection. This is God's promise already that he's given to us. His church, his people, direction, a testimony, a name, Protection. This is without any doubt. It should be without hesitation. God has promised that it is get to be given to us. And we can find further promises and parallels to this passage within the New Testament. But I want you to understand this that these are blessings from God. God has blessed our church. And praise the Lord for it. Amen. 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 Look with me, if you would, in Matthew chapter 16. Keep your finger in Genesis, Matthew 16. In verse number 18, Matthew 16, in verse number 18, here is yet but one of those promises that God gives to us concerning the blessings which he has told us that he will do. As God gives direction, as God gives us our name, as God protects, what does he promise in Matthew 16, verse 18? The word of God tells us this, and I say unto thee, thou, uh, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. In the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. May I remind you this morning, church, this is God's church. Amen? We are God's people. The blessing comes from God. The growth comes from God. The, the striving together is what God has asked that we do in obedience to Him. But the growth and the, the blessings come directly from God. But I, with that in mind, I want you to flip back to Genesis, if you would. And look with me into Genesis chapter 13. Here God has created mankind. God has created a perfect world. Man has chosen to sin against God. All man has now been cursed and inherited sin within our lives. As a result of sin, sin escalated to such a point that God decided uh, in his judgment, but yet love and mercy and grace, to destroy the entire world with a flood. Uh, God, in his mercy, love and grace, spared Noah and his family And yet we see the second chance of God yet again when the people sinned yet further against him in trying to build the Tower of Babel up to heaven. And God, though, could have cursed yet again, but rather instead he scattered and he divided them. And we see the promise that he gives in Genesis 12 of those blessings that he would bring to God's people where we know them to be today as the children of Israel. Genesis 13 and verse number 8, the word of God says, And Abraham went up, out of Egypt, if you read the passage, in verse in chapter twelve in previous, he's taking a journey. The Egyptian journey was not an easy one, but he's taking a journey and he's brought his family with him. The Bible says he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. And unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, uh, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle, and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. You know, the opposite of striving is strife. The question this morning that I would ask to you are you striving or is there strife? Are you striving or is there strife? Abram makes this statement, Let there be no strife. Why? We are brethren. We are brothers and sisters, Abram says. Let strife not be said of us. Genesis 13 gives this clear explanation of strife. And and as we understand this uh, passage of scripture and the results of strife, may we answer these questions together this morning. The first, what is the cause of strife? Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 13. Keep your finger in Genesis. Proverbs 13 and verse number 10. Proverbs 13 and verse 10, someone could summarize and say, well, the end result of strife is sin. Yes, that is true, but let us come to the root of the matter. In Proverbs 13, in verse number 10, how can you get much more blunt and bold than this? The word of God says only by pride cometh. What's the next word? Contention. But with well-advised is wisdom. You see, the sin of pride causes men to make decisions that are not of wisdom. The sin of pride causes good men, good women, Christian people, God's church, to make decisions that are not of wisdom. The end result uh, of where strife begins, where contention begins, is when men and women choose to have pride in their own heart. What are these causes to strife? Well, in Genesis 13, I want to bring you to uh, the description that is given as to what happened as a result of this strife. Notice these causes. The first of those is found in verse 6 and 7. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was so great. Take notice to that phrase. Their substance was so great, so that they could not dwell. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. The first cause of strife uh, along, along these lines of pride is our own possessions, our own possessions. Why could the land not bear them? Because Lot was a very rich man, or, or Abram was a very rich man, and Lot also. We don't know how rich, but he also had many herds of cattle. He had much land. And the disagreement, the strife, the contention came when they tried to dwell in the same land, uh, but that land could not contain them because... There was so much happening all at once. You see, what drew to that point was the very fact that of that which belonged to them, that which was of their possessions. Christian, could I remind you this morning, that which belongs to you, your possessions, your gifts, your family, if pride would so grab a hold of your heart, of those things that God has given you, it will only in its end result Divide you. It will only in its end result separate you. Because God has given us all things, his, these gifts, these both physically and spiritually, it should not be a spirit of pride that we have, but rather it should, uh, be, it should be our desire before, before God to be a, a, a person who acknowledges, Lord, all that I have is because of you. For me to consider what I have, that others... Are harming that others are hurting that others are frustrating me with concerning C- to consider myself uh, and what I have as being better than or, or, or worthy of a, a specific attitude or a, a, a specific a being given any specific circumstance, my possessions that which belongs to me for us to say as god's people that these are mine, this is me this is What belongs to me? May I remind you, Christian, nothing belongs to us. You see, all that we have belongs to God. It has been given to us by God. And it is only by pride that when we arrive at the point in our life that we say, well, this is what I can do. Well, this is what belongs to me. Well, this is how I was affected. Well, this is how it it, 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 it harmed me. At the end of the day, praise God for all that he has given us. Amen? God has given us our very bodies. God has given us every gift, every talent, every present possession which we own is a gift from God. But it is God's intent not that we become proud of that which is ours. You see, a Christian can become proud of their own family. A Christian can become proud of their own spiritual gifts. A Christian can can become so proud to the point that it leads nothing but to the end destruction possessions. The causes of strife, one of those is possessions. Number two, opinions. In verse uh, six, the Bible tells us they could not dwell together. You see, both sides of Abraham's family now have two, two different opinions about the land and about one another. Though we don't know how heated it may have been, the Bible says there was strife. Though we don't know to what extent that this wind the Bible, went, the Bible says that there was strife among the people. And the Bible tells us that as an end result, Abraham approaches Lot, and what does he tell them to do? Let us separate. Opinions. You see, at the end of the day, the only opinion in life that truly matters is God's opinion. The only opinion in life that truly matters is God's opinion. Somebody says, well, what about the opinion of so-and-so? They're a trusted individual. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. Well, what about my opinion? The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. At the end of the day, opinions is what leads to strife. Opinions is what will bring division. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 3, if you would. Keep your finger in Genesis. Mark chapter 3 and look together in verse number 1. Jesus was a man who also had to face strife in his life. Praise the Lord. The wonderful example which he has given to us and his response to that was that of mercy, grace, and love, and sweetness. In Mark chapter 3, I want you to notice how that others are treating Jesus. The Bible says in verse number 1, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him, and he saith unto man which had the withered hand, Stand forth, and he saith unto him, It is lawful not to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. And may I remind you, the anger which is displayed is a righteous anger. It was not an uncontrolled anger. It was a righteous anger. The Bible tells us that this righteous anger is seen through his empathy and the fact that he was grieved for the hardness of their hearts. The Bible says, He saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he weathered it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Notice verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Christian, can I remind us this morning that when we start basing the Christian life and the journey of the Christian life upon opinions, when we start basing uh, the 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 journey which God brings us through in life upon man's opinions, it'll only in its end bring destruction. Look with me, if you would, in James chapter 3, in verse number 5. James chapter 3 is a very well-known passage to speak concerning the tongue. I bring you to this passage to so that you would see what the Word of God says concerning this matter. In James chapter 3, and look with me in verse number 5 and 6, the word of God says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is a set on fire of hell." Turn with me also to Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs 6 and verse number 16, Proverbs 6 and verse 16, I appreciate your patience in turning with me, Proverbs 6 and verse 16, the word of God says this, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. May I bring your attention in the context of our subject this morning, what is the cause of strife? The association of all these sins that are mentioned is associated right alongside Of murdering another individual, these six things doth the Lord hate. God brings this out as a very clear identity to the Christian. These are very serious things. And notice these last few things that that clearly have happened among Abram and Lot. The Bible tells us a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. And we consider. The sowing of discord, it is a seed which is planted. Sometimes uh, a a discord which happens among the brethren uh, is, is not the full plant. It's just a seed. What I'm trying to say is it isn't the complete truth. It isn't the complete not truth. But it's just enough seed of wrong and right to sow discord. And the end result of these things is the destruction which is found in James chapter 3. A world of iniquity. A little fire, one may say. A small seed. But great destruction in the end. What are the consequences of strife? We ask the question, what is the cause of strife? Our possessions, our opinions. What are the consequences of strife? If you still have your finger in Genesis... In chapter uh, 13, in verse number 9, the Bible tells us, "...is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere before uh, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord... Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest into Zorah, then Lot chose all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. What are the consequences of strife? The first is separation. Someone says, well, it ended well. It ended wrong. Separation. At the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is God's opinion. Only by pride cometh contention. How great a matter a little fire kindleth, these six things that the Lord hate, God tells us. You see, strife, the strife that took place between Lot and Abraham only led to the end result of saying, I can't deal with it. I'm done. I'm gone. Number two, destruction. Separation, destruction. Verse 12, the Bible says, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. We know Sodom and Gomorrah, the wicked nations which they were that were to receive that destruction from God all the, all the possessions which Lot had everything which he had was now focused upon what he wanted you see the strife led to destruction of Lot's own family and that leads me to the third point of pain look at chapter 19 of Genesis if you would in verse 24 Genesis 19, verse 24. The word of God says, Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Could I remind you the brimstone and fire is also found in hell, fire. This was a very serious judgment. The Bible says, And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground, but his, that being Lot, wife, looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Can I remind you what happened to his daughters? A couple of homosexuals showed up his door and pressed against the door, the Bible tells us. And as a result of sin in Lot's life, he was ready to give his daughters to them. Here, take my daughters. The Bible tells us at the end it only brings pain. It destroyed Lot's entire family. It destroyed the relationship which he had with Abraham. Abraham. Strife, in the end, will only bring destruction, will only bring pain, and it will bring separation. I bring you to the third question. What is the cure of strife? We've asked ourselves, what is the cause of strife? What are the consequences of strife? But number three, what is the cure of strife? Turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verse number one. Philippians 2 and verse one, the Bible tells us, that the cure begins with choosing to have a mind of Christ. The cure begins with choosing to have a mind of Christ. Philippians two and verse number one, the word of God says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, Of one mind let nothing be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem each other better than themselves look not every man on his own things here are the possessions but every man also on the things of others let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God But he, that being God, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, God has patterned exactly how he intends for us to live and that is by his example, let this mind be in you. What is the cure for strife? The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Number two, forgiveness. Acts 24 verse 16, the word of God says in herein, do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men? You see, the only way to cure a broken relationship through strife is through forgiveness, first from God and then from man. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, if you would. Matthew 18. What does the word of God tell us concerning this matter of forgiveness? What does one do when strife is had upon our own uh, without any intent or without any desire? What do we do when strife and accusations as was Jesus has had upon us and we don't know what to do? Matthew 18, I want to begin by bringing your attention to verse number 15. The Bible says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee an heathen man and a publican look with me in verse number 22 the bible tells us jesus saith unto him i send thee until seven times but until 70 times seven the matter and the question that is asked of the disciples is how should i ask forgiveness seven times jesus says no forgiveness a spirit of forgiveness is to be a, beyond the norm it is to be beyond our very nature. The spirit of forgiveness goes beyond even what we are capable of doing. 70 times 7. Forgive, and forgive, and forgive, and forgive. A spirit of forgiveness. You see, the problem of strife, discord, slander, is it places seeds and thoughts of frustration, discouragement, destruction, separation, and division in individuals' minds to keep them from a spirit of forgiveness. Now their end result, as a result of discord, they can't help but think of those things because those things have been discorded into their mind. Christian, if you've been a part of discord, guard your mind, let this mind be in you. You say, it's not possible for me We are to have a mind of Christ. We can in our nature. That's the truth. We can't. How do we forgive? Above the normal. How do I do it? As Christ did. Forgive and forgive and forgive. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. God says in this passage, if you have a gift to bring to God before the altar, he will not accept that gift unless our hearts are right before Christ. As I just read a moment ago in the book of Acts, we are to have a clear conscience with God a clear conscience with man. In Matthew 18, in verse number 23, the Bible tells us uh, uh, of the, uh, of a, to give us a greater understanding of this matter of forgiveness. Notice what the Word of God says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold in his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence, and he, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told him to their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Here's verse 35, the conclusion. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, their trespasses. May I remind you this morning, Christian, that it may be even as a result of seeds of discord that are causing you to have a heart or a spirit of unforgiveness. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Guard yourself. As God says, there will be judgment to those who have a spirit of unforgiveness. As God has so forgiven us, so we should also have a spirit of forgiveness towards others. You see, forgiveness is not forgetting. You can never forget when someone has strife and someone hurts you and harms you. You can never forget something even that is told to you as as a result of seeds of discord. You can't forget those things. Our very nature, our sin nature, our flesh would desire to bring up the past, to bring back the past, to mull over it and over it and ask ourselves the questions why. But the only opinion that truly matters is God's opinion. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness, God tells us, a spirit of forgiveness. The question this morning is, will we as God's church choose to strive or to have strife? Will we choose to strive or to have strife? In the beginning of the year, I brought to you three points along these lines of striving together, and I bring them to you again in remembrance of it. How do we strive together for the faith of the gospel? Number one, striving requires discipline. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 and 25, the Word of God says this, and I quote, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. For every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Christian, the responsibility in our striving, the Christian life is a journey, it's a race. We run that we may obtain. We run to be temperate in all things. Striving requires discipline. Number two, striving requires forgetting. You say, oh, wait a minute, Pastor Miller, I thought we just established a moment ago that when strife is had, things cannot be forgotten. Notice and listen to me, I guess I should say, in Philippians 3, I want you to hear these words rather than lay your eyes on them. Listen to these, Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the Christian race, we don't look back. We run to obtain. We keep our on the prize. You say, well, the strife, the sin, the hurt, the pain, the discord, it was in the past or it's in the present. What do I do? Don't keep it in the present. Look beyond. Look with vision. Keep your eye on the prize. See, striving requires forgetting to the level of we're not looking back. As God has forgiven us, so we forgive others. As God has forgiven sins, so we choose to have a spirit of forgiveness. The Bible tells us the mind of Christ, forgiveness. How do we strive? We, it requires discipline. It requires forgetting. Number three, striving requires work. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 and 9, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom he believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry and God's building. The Bible tells us striving together requires work. There must be with the intent to strive. Striving takes an effort. It takes the man of God or the woman of God to determine in their mind that I'm not going to dwell on the past. God is a God of love, God is a God of forgiveness. I'm going to run that I may obtain, I'm going to keep my eye on the prize. I'm going to strive together. God tells us this morning, Christians, we are to strive together for the faith of the gospel. See, the gospel has changed our lives. The mercy, the love of grace is the gospel. So the mercy, love, and grace should be lived out in our lives. When the mercy of God and love of God and the grace of God, when these things are lived out, the mind of Christ is in us, there will not be strife. There will be a spirit of forgiveness. Someone says, "Well, what about the what about the discord? What about the contention? What about the strife?" Forgetting those things which are behind, they're in the past. They're in the past. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask if just the.